0: Hey there! Before we begin this first episode of the Wizard and Glass season of our show, I want to let you know two ways to support this show and the network. Um, if you want to give some money directly, go to patreon.com slash duckfeedtv and check out the options we have there. Uh, also, if you're going to be buying anything on Amazon, be it Dark Tower Books, Audiobooks, or anything else doesn't even have to do with the dark tower go to duckfeed.tv slash tip jar and use the link there for amazon shopping now let's go talk about this crazy train some more Welcome to Radio Free Midworld, a podcast about the Dark Tower series of books by Stephen King. My name is Cole Ross, and I'm your host. And today I'm joined by Evan Jones Thorn. Hi, Cole. Hey, Evan. It's just the two of us today uh, because Damn. of some weird scheduling stuff. That's pretty exciting. I know, right? Yeah. So thank you for thank you for hopping on.
1: Yeah. No. I'm. Uh, this will this will be fun.
0: Yeah. You so know, we. We, we never hang out like this, Cole. No, usually there's there's a third person. <laughs> Oftentimes it's autumn. Usually it's one of those Greer folk. Ugh, one of those Greers. Am I right?
2: Yeah. I would say yes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, it, also, looking at the guest list, yes. Yes, there. Yeah, yeah, it, pretty it, much it yes. Is, yeah. It is true. Um, <laughs> yeah, we're here talking about uh, Wizard and Glass, which is the fourth book in the series. After our weird mid-season lengthy talking about other stuff, uh, kind of break there talking about the stand and the mist and, and all of that, all those movies, uh, I, I bet you didn't realize the dark tower movie came out at the beginning of that mid season.
1: Oh, I, I realized.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, I wanted to keep, so th- th- there was a lot to talk about because wizard and glass starts bringing in a bunch of disparate elements. Um, so you, we kind of needed to talk about the stand. Uh, we kind of needed yeah. to talk about the mist um, but also mimicking the gap between when the wastelands and, uh, wizard and glass came out.
1: Yeah. I, I, I think that it's, uh, I, I, I don't know if I ever caught this before reading it through this time, but I, I thought it was interesting that the acknowledgements are specifically the two people that, uh, harangued him into getting back to writing another dark tower book.
0: <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Usually he saves them for, uh, uh. Uh, I mean, nowadays it's when a grandkid is born, uh, but it's for members of his family or for collaborators. Um, I forget who were the two people who uh, who goaded him back to back in back into the saddle.
1: Oh, I, I don't remember their names, but I think it was like the, the two people that uh, helped with fan mail or something along those lines. Mm,
0: OK, OK.
1: Just uh, <laughs> reading and responding to letters mostly about Roland and company.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's like, hey, hey, a lot of people really want this to happen. They're afraid you're going to die. <laughs> yeah. Um so yeah, this came out in November of 1997, uh, a solid 7 years after um after The Wastelands came out, which is kind of ridiculous because the it, The Wastelands ends on a cliffhanger and it literally begins with the final chapter of The Wastelands. <laughs> that is the prologue. Yeah.
1: <laughs> it's uh i I remember when i was reading the wastelands and i was thankfully able to immediately pick up wizard and glass um but just looking at the copyright dates and thinking about how angry i would have been if i'd been reading them as they came out
0: yeah so we're gonna have to uh put a pin in that and make sure we talked either autumn or jeremy one of those greers um <laughs> because i i believe that both of them were OG in the sense that they they had to wait through that little drought that happened.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah. So that's true. Yeah, I, I was. I forget
1: how recently some of these books came out. Like, I I don't know why, but for some reason I just have like this association with a lot of Stephen King stuff as it being. Oh, they the, lot the, the older. 80s.
0: Yeah, the 80s.
1: <laughs> the 80s are before and. Yeah. Like the the only Stephen King books that I'm that are like in my consciousness as being like anything close to contemporary is like the Green Mile and Hearts in Atlantis and Under the Dome.
0: Mm, Under the Dome is a little bit more recent, but Green Mile and Hearts in Atlantis were like mm, the late '90s. <laughs> when
1: I when I say that, I mean like when I was paying attention.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: And I know that there have been a whole bunch of others, and I have no Mm -hmm. idea why those are the only ones that my brain acknowledges as being uh, post eighties. But
0: (laughs) I just uh, over the uh, over the break here, uh, I got a wild hair, and I decided to listen to eleven twenty two sixty three. I still Um, have not read that yet. It's really good.
1: I've heard it's really good. I've heard the the uh, the show. On Netflix is really good too.
0: Yeah, I think it's a Hulu series. Just so so people don't go go looking for it. Yeah. A little bit wary of the Hulu thing because it's uh because it stars James Franco. But uh man, that's a good story.
1: Yeah, I I feel like James Franco is like about 70% of the time he's James Franco. And then yeah. the rest of the time, he's fantastic.
0: <laughs> right? Yeah he's he, he's he's pre, he's pretty inconsistent is yeah. what I've is what I've seen.
1: If you if you give him the right kind of role, he absolutely destroys it. But mm. it's I have no idea what kind of role that is.
2: <laughs>
1: like there there hasn't really been any like consistent pattern to what types of james franco characters i enjoy
0: yeah it might be this I, i'm i'm trying to put a little bit of di- distance in between because i don't know experiencing the same thing twice that quick in yeah. a row seems a little bit ill-advised <laughs>
1: uh, I, i'm really enjoying his I'm, I'm right now listening to the audiobook of slaughterhouse five that he narrated and Ooh. it's um it's it's a lot better than i was expecting
0: yeah that, that would have to be better than the one that i listened to which was narrated by ethan Hawke. It, it was very very dry and very maudlin and yeah, i know that that is a very mod you know it's a it's a pretty fucked up book but there's there has to be a little bit of playfulness to it
1: ethan even hawk has whatever the opposite of a face made for radio is
0: <laughs> what do you mean like a, his, a voice made for television bait, sort of like he's a
1: he, he is like a, a totally fine actor and a decent looking dude but like if I was just listening to his voice without any kind of visual context, yeah, I that would not be an enjoyable thing.
0: Yeah, it's a little bit of a it was it was a little bit of a bummer. Um, so, sounds like the James Franco one would be better. Uh, this this yeah, isn't off topic. It's nowhere near
1: but... as good as the the John Malkovich reading of Breakfast of Champions because that's maybe the best audiobook that anyone has ever made. <laughs>
0: that is such good casting. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> Um this isn't off topic because eleven twenty two uh sixty-three has a very minor tower connection. It
1: does. I do know that.
0: Yeah. I was I was very surprised to see that. In fact, we're going to get there uh in this book, in this episode.
1: Well, uh you're going to get there. I only know that it exists. I don't know what it is.
0: <laughs> I'll call it out. I'll 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 mention uh what it is. Because okay, uh, because you. it also ends up being kind of a running Stephen King thing a little bit. Um, so you mentioned that you got to this right after you finished um, the Wastelands. got to the Wizard in Glass. Um, I, I forget or whenabouts was this when you were getting into it?
1: Oh, I probably was about maybe fifteen, sixteen. I want to say. Okay. It was definitely high school, like mid to late high school.
0: So prime time, especially for this particular book. To, oh yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah this this book I, I have a couple of friends who are really into the Dark Tower and this is their favorite of the series
2: mm-hmm.
1: and I don't want to say this is my least favorite because it's not because it's fucking fantastic right but it it has always made me uncomfortable I think probably because I can relate to the characters way more than I like admitting, or I could when I read it anyway.
0: <laughs> to, to the kids? Like to the, to, to Roland's original cotet or? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's... it's it's pretty good. So so we should we 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 should say what is special about this book. We're going to get to it at the end of this chapter. Though the framing story of this is a direct follow-up to The Wastelands, the bulk of it and the thing that I think a lot of people's opinion of the book lives or dies on um is this flashback story where Roland you know finally gets around to telling the assembled group more about his past, more about his youth. Uh, immediately after he took his test and became a gunslinger that recollection that we had in the first book
1: yeah and 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 i always forget how like how much framing there is like when i think about this book i i just think about the flashback
0: Mm -hmm.
1: but there's like there's a lot of like for lack of a better term, current plot happening.
0: Yeah, there's a lot of movement toward the tower. It's not as much of a stopover.
1: Yeah. And, and I mean, like, if I, I could be mistaken, but um, we're, we're not even going to, we're just going to get up to the start of the flashback tonight, right?
0: Right. We're going to get up to the um, the the reason why Roland travels to the place he travels, to. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and then the next episode is going to get into, get into the flashback proper.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Which, uh, I'm, I'm cool with that because this is basically just a continuation of the wasteland, which is great.
0: (laughs) I know. Right. (laughs) 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 Well, we'll, well, let's, let's get into it, into this book, which is subtitled regard because all of them have these R word, uh, subtitles, um, it is an extension because, like we said, the prologue is just the last chapter of uh, of the wastelands. If for you need...
1: <laughs> for, our, for our coverage of the prologue, please see the <laughs> season finale of I don't know what season this is.
0: I, I I this would this would be season four.
1: Is it? I yeah. I'm not sure how seasons work with podcasts because
0: uh, <laughs> it's real loose.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm 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 a not not a podcasting professional like some of us
0: uh the iTunes just added seasons to the spec, and i'm really I, I i need i need more uh clients to actually put in support for that before I start labeling things as seasons but yeah I, I think the uh it's it's gonna be tough after when went through the keyhole but uh this would be this would be season four yeah um but yeah see the end of the last season uh if you need a little recap remember that the Cotet uh ended up being trapped on this suicidal talking monorail named Blaine, Um, this uh, death train loves himself some riddles. And Roland, coming from a barony that really valued riddles, buys some time by reenacting the uh, the fair day riddling of his his own childhood, Uh, betting their lives, saying like, hey, you can kill us uh, as long as we can't stump you. If we give you a real stumper, Um, then you need to let us go. Um, And so the train is barreling toward Topeka. um, And we're going to see how literal that actually is as they, (laughs) as, as they open up. Uh, What do you think about the, about the cold open on this? You know, the, the scenes of just the carnage that Blaine is leaving in his wake as he sonic booms down the countryside.
1: It, is every time i read this book it is more jarring than i remember
0: (laughs) i've forgotten about this too the rat with his guts on the
1: outside it is just like the whole thing is just like viscerally unpleasant (laughs) and basically to no end which I kind of really appreciate on some level yeah
0: well you remember at the at the end of uh, book three they're going over those volcanoes with pterodactyls and gigantic beetles and stuff things are a little bit better here but not much you know like animals with organs on the outside uh, there's a deer with a fifth leg growing down and that is described that, as the last boneless leg <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's kind of got they a don't big go old... watch it. that detail makes it a billion times worse. Is there still a hoof at the end? Does he have some kind of flail attached to it? Oh god, I didn't even think about the hoof. <laughs> yeah, uh, the, I, I love the uh, the robot who has been walking into the corner for so long that the metal of the building is bowed out. Yeah,
1: <laughs> <laughs> and I, I like that he characterizes it as that's all the progress he's
0: made. Yep. <laughs> one of
1: one of my favorite. Um, my favorite things about this 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 current reading of this series is is just how many like just really richly described details he puts in
2: mm-hmm.
1: that don't go anywhere <laughs> like it's i i don't i i know i noticed it before and i i don't know if i think the first time i just assumed that it would go somewhere and then didn't realize when it didn't and then subsequent readings it's just kind of i've, I've just kind of like disregarded it because i knew what was coming but this time i'm reading through it with a different like trying to pick out different things and right. like you mentioned the uh at the end of the wastelands there's like there's pterodactyls and like <laughs> there's no dinosaurs in this fucking series
0: no I mean, not at all. There there were, but they were down there. You passed over. He he
1: he makes a point to talk about how there's dinosaurs, and then there are no dinosaurs that make an appearance (laughs) uh, that in any way affects the the events of the story. But then, and and I don't know why, but that's uh, that's that's just really hitting me every time there's something like that. And and I think part of it is that I I have a deeper understanding for. Uh, or a deeper appreciation, rather, for world building than I did before. Yeah. Um, but also, I. It's just really fucking funny.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a lot. It's a lot of those details, those asides, are paced as though they are jokes. You know. Um, yeah. When, when you when you say they don't go when they when you say they don't go anywhere, that's that's true. Except sometimes they do. You know, he mentions right. these robots that are walking around. Well, I mean, we've we've seen that the old ones have this amazing technology. We've seen the the, the gigantic, you know, basically, the computerized city of Lud as manifested through this monorail. Um, that's going to come up later. The presence of the presence of robots, especially ones that kind of serve these clerical functions, right? Oh, um, sure. Mentioning uh, bringing back the idea of threaded stock of muties and. You know the fact that you know just actual non mutated animals are really valuable that's gonna be like a key plot point for this book uh when they get to Hambry. that's true yeah so like some of i it... was
1: i was a i was a good boy and didn't read ahead and uh and wasn't it's it's been a while since I've read past uh the wastelands
0: mm-hmm. oh uh, okay.
1: Like I've I've read the whole series a couple of times, but I I you're, most recently just read drawing of the three in the wastelands and kind of got distracted by
0: life, I guess. Yeah, that's reasonable. Yeah. No, so oh. so so you're you're it's been long enough where this is new to you again.
1: Yeah, we're we're getting into uh, not uncharted territory, but it's it's definitely the, the details are fuzzy yeah uh, as far as looking forward goes and i'm i'm kind of trying to keep it that way
0: <laughs> I, I love that keeping the suspense up I, I got you fam i i got the call forward yeah, so yeah, yeah. it's fine <laughs> but yes <laughs> regardless all of this is uh for naught because every scene that is described is wiped away by plain sonic boom um described first off as like just the 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 of air uh, knocking the stuff over a co- like a couple of yards and then shortly afterward the shockwave just obliterating everything like blaine is going suicidally fast quite literally um and that is having terrible effects on the world below not that it was doing so so great to to, to begin with <laughs> yeah um, inside things are not going that great either because it's time for the riddles and they've got a strategy where they're going to test him with varying levels. They're going to give him a difficulty slider. Uh, it's going to be like Wolfenstein, you know, hurt me more. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah it's, uh, one, one easy, one sort of hard, one quite hard and one very difficult. Yes.
0: Yeah. Uh, and the scary part is that Blaine answers all of them immediately, because of course he does.
1: well the the scary part is actually that he acknowledges that that's exactly what they were doing. Uh-huh. They were trying to gauge his abilities, and they they expected him to answer all of them, but <laughs> he it, it i I don't think that Roland expected him to realize exactly what was going on
0: right and and that itself is a is a test of his capabilities right to actually yeah. see what his situational awareness is you know um although when you when
1: you say he answers all of the riddles immediately um that's not totally accurate because uh the first riddle i think it's is it susanna that reads the second one or does she do the first one
0: i i forget the exact order
1: yeah Robert. It doesn't actually really matter, but yeah. uh, the one that Susanna asks is what has four wheels and flies, and uh, at least Eddie, if no one else notices, that Blaine makes a, a clicking sound like somebody – like like clicking their tongue against the roof of their mouth like they're thinking. Yeah,
0: yeah. Like that. Um,
1: And there, there's just a minute hesitation mm-hmm. um, because what has four wheels and flies, a garbage truck, is – not a great riddle it's mostly (laughs) just a really stupid pun
0: (laughs) right yeah and he gets angry I, i i forget it has to have has to have been eddie who who fires one off that is based on wordplay like that and blaine in addition to being this really smug condescending prick um, also is a real connoisseur of riddles. He doesn't like any of them that... He doesn't uh, like silly questions. Yeah. <laughs> he won't play silly games. And, ends up being very important. Um, he doesn't like any of them that are just based on um, linguistic coincidence as opposed to something you can actually think your way through. But yeah, does not like puns uh, and gets angry about this. So they decide to you know keep themselves just to the ones that uh, uh, either Roland knows and their hope is that you know because everything happens for a reason, their winner will be in Jake's book because otherwise why would he have been drawn to it <laughs> But yeah that click is also is also very important and I like that what we're what we're seeing in this is them realizing that he was either programmed with or cobbled together some sense of emotion you know so that click which could just be like a like a speaker turning on and off or whatever it you know it it is timed as though he was kind of clicking his tongue as as though he was thinking right
1: yeah and and one of my favorite things about about blaine because i i really fucking love big blaine and little blaine just as characters (laughs) um one of my favorite things about the characterization of blaine is that it's specifically left ambiguous like King specifically says that they don't know, like, oh, was he, was he programmed with emotions? Was he like, is, is this something he was built with or did it just kind of like manifest over time? Like, is he just mimicking what he's seen other people do? Mm -hmm. Um, And then that kind of comes back into play um, when, when Eddie takes his, his final round, which we'll get to.
0: Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> well, that's a that's a thing, right? He, he is insane. He he has oh. gone. He has gone sideways from all these years of loneliness yes. and because of the world moving on. This emotionality could be the function of uh, of what happens when a computer j- 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 just goes nuts.
1: <laughs> yeah. And I, I think that that's um, if I had to guess, I would say that that's canonically the truth because um, that's what happened with Shardik.
0: Yep, and also happens with a with a notable character in uh, book five.
1: Yep, which I'm not going to talk about because we are not there. <laughs>
0: no, well, I just I want I want to put put it there and say that, <laughs> that that is a theme. There is evidence for what happens yeah. here. No, that's so.
1: that that is definitely a thing that that happens in this uh, in this fiction. Right. <laughs> um.
0: Yeah. So, uh, it's it, it's 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 pretty great. Um yeah. another thing another thing that's pretty great is uh Roland reprising a scene from uh from the Wastelands, immediately turns to Eddie and tells him hey don't fuck around here okay <laughs> specifically you know don't be foolish because Eddie uh back around the campfire dropped one of his dead baby jokes you know tasteless just kind of bringing some of his brooklyn everybody's street jabbing. everybody's favorite everybody's when, when they're favorite in middle school. all ages
1: family friendly <laughs> joke material
0: <laughs> when they're in middle school yes oh <laughs> yeah. uh, which hurts eddie but this is important right because it helps him start to put stuff together he goes into a zone and like he kind of becomes catatonic like just looking at his feet to the point where suzanne is yeah. annoyed because like he is not reacting as everybody else is because he is trying to put all this together trying to think through the problem
1: yeah and I I don't remember who who sees first that he's in in a zone mm-hmm. um but there's there's a part where Susanna's looking at him and it it's something to the effect of you wouldn't have known that he was thinking from the slack look on his face
0: <laughs> she was she was scared of his yeah. just slack jawed stare which, yeah
1: which to me like that's i th- that is like such a good succinct summation of uh of Eddie as a character is when he's when he's really thinking mm-hmm. you might think he's an idiot <laughs>
0: yep everything kind of shuts down
1: that's, and that's that's kind of he um when he's when he's kind of in his head and we get a peek into that that's basically where his mind is taking him is 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 how he 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 might not be the the smartest or the fastest or the strongest but he can get into the zone and when he does that and when he's able to just really commit everything that he has he can pretty much talk anybody into anything
0: right right well we 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 should say what's happening here because we get like little little flashes of it uh, as it goes on um he's been pretty much free of henry uh you know his memory his voice of henry Ever since he carved the key and got Jake into this world, um, but you know he's thinking back and putting these pieces together, uh, remembering uh, how what what is it Roland teaching Jake how to light a fire? Uh, you know, move move the flint in closer, and thinking back to uh, talking about who they would give a fucking rupture to um, <laughs> on, the, on, on the on the basketball court, you know. Um and it was specifically having a recollection of a time with with Henry and yeah
1: and it's, this is this is notable because it's uh I I might be wrong but I I think it's the only time that there is just like an unequivocally positive memory of Henry
0: right Uh, Eddie even remar- remarks on it like most of the time Henry was a royal pain and a bad thing like but this was the this was the only time that he said something nice without really wanting anything in return
2: yeah yeah
0: yeah uh but that's that's where his head is at and i want to uh i want to save the revelation for when he gets ready to uh to to, to make his attack oh for sure <laughs> wow well, it's so good <laughs> you know, while while he's there uh jake notices that his, uh, his wound on his hand where oi oh, bit him to, uh, to hang on as he dangled over the river end as healing. Because Blaine and the barony coach has all of these just futuristic uh, meshes and waves and stuff like that, that, you know, numb pain and heal wounds. He even has, uh, like, these endorphin-inducing things. He tells Jake, an 11-year-old, uh, 11-year-old boy, oh, I can give you your first sexual experience, you know, with a sex symbol from your level of the tower. How about Marilyn Monroe or Rita Hayworth, or how about Edith Bunker?
1: <laughs> One of these things is not like the others. Uh, Again, and yeah, and Jake, Jake picks up on that right away. And he, uh, he, he laughs about it and he realizes how like potentially suicidally stupid laughing at Blaine is, but he can't
0: oh, yeah. help himself. Yeah. he He stops himself like right away.
1: Um, yeah, and
0: and and he's laughing not just because the idea of boning down on Edith, Edith Bunker, the wife from All in the Family, of people people don't know that, um, is 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 humorous. No, noted sex symbol. Yeah. Well, you know, it takes takes all kinds, Evan. Okay, yeah, yeah it does. It takes
1: <laughs> takes a takes a, a village of different strokes.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, so aside from just telling uh just telling blaine yeah i'm too young for that you fucking creep um and then blaine's like well okay offers off the table (laughs) okay uh he realized it made a mistake like it hadn't really made any mistakes before aside from just doing his kind of thing um and blaine is humiliated by this so he decides to deafen them
1: (laughs) yeah as, as as we all do when embarrassed
0: yep you know, I just uh, crank the uh, crank the volume up until everybody's ears start bleeding and, and yeah. they, they start yeah. He, crying.
1: he he stops. Um, he stops at what what I can only assume is a charging station specifically built for this purpose. Yes. Um, but it's it's
2: these.
1: Is it? I I don't remember. Is it? Is it called the the Falls of the Hounds? because of the statues, or are the statues there because of the name, or do we not know?
0: I believe that it's... Co- I, my read was that it was called The Falls of the Hounds because they had built the uh, the, the, the the statue in the shape of the dog yeah. um, out of it. But,
1: but yeah, there's the these, this dog statue that somehow collects energy from the beam that Blaine's track runs along, mm-hmm. and then uh, shoots it from its eyes which is like i guess a nice design touch Mm -hmm. um into blaine's battery to to charge him when he gets past the point where his his fuel reserves would take him i guess
0: right right um and this Um, gives this gives him a little bit more time like he he really exhausted himself getting here so it extends it extends the riddling a little bit um this the, the statue is actually over a gigantic waterfall that I think Jake says makes Niagara Falls look like something at Disneyland. Yeah. Um, and that's why it's so loud. Uh is because yeah. is because of just how, how how massive it is. It's uh it's it's big enough that it's uh the, the water vapor is casting moon bows up at them.
1: Yeah. Have you have you ever been to
0: uh Niagara Falls, Cole? Uh once when I was like ten.
1: Yeah, I, I went when I was like probably fourteen. Yeah. Uh, my my family we did like the the whole mate of the mist thing where you get on a boat and they give you a poncho that does as much as the goggles and
0: uh <laughs> sorry you, you, you <laughs> caught you caught me off guard i was
1: i was pretty proud of that i'm glad yeah. you left um but like, like you, you you get on a boat and you go like super close to the falls and you just get drenched and it's really intense and it's super loud and overwhelming and it's it's it is on the verge of being painfully loud Mm
2: -hmm.
1: and so what blaine does is uh he does this a couple of times but he turns the the floor and the walls of the the barony coach um either he turns them transparent or he is projecting a live feed of the outside that doesn't really matter. However, you prefer your science fiction to handle that shit. It's, it's, it's described
0: Um, as a projection. Uh, He doesn't actually make it uh, invisible. Okay. Yeah.
1: Um, but, but then he also turns on the external audio and he gradually turns it up to what he says is full volume, but
0: it would have to be amplified. if he was trying to hurt them.
1: (laughs) I think it's pretty reasonable to assume that it's amplified uh, to the point that they're all just, like, writhing in pain on the ground and screaming, but they can't hear each other screaming. And, yeah. uh, like, that's 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 not a little, a little, natural little, waterfall volumes.
0: A little bit of a dick move. Yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> uh, but he, he says, uh, I was... I was hoping that might make you for I I was hoping you would enjoy that and that it might make you forget my mistake in the matter of Edith
0: Bunker, (laughs) which uh, I love sentences, especially good ones like that.
1: Just the most passive aggressive bullshit. It's beautiful.
0: (laughs) Fuck you, Blaine. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, if you didn't know everything that you needed, you know, needed to know. Um, at some point before this, Blaine says, "Oh, when he asks, well, would I lie to you?'" And Jake says, "Yes." And then Blaine doesn't have any reproach; like he you know, he just laughs. Looks <laughs> like, "Yep, I definitely would." Yep, <laughs> I am not programmed to tell the truth. Oh man! So yeah, they get so back. Then, they get back on the did, road. Oh, good.
1: Yeah, and did, did we? We didn't talk about the, uh, the fair day goose metaphor.
0: Uh, no, I just, I, I, I mentioned that it was like the, like, like the fair day riddling. Uh, um, yeah. And but...
1: I, I feel like that's, that's worth mentioning because I, I, um, I don't remember. Did you, did you guys talk in the, the last episode of the wastelands about how, how Blaine desperately wants to commit suicide?
0: Yes. Yeah. Okay. He he wants to do what uh Patricia his his opposite yeah. number um, yeah. did.
1: So anybody who hasn't listened or hasn't listened in a while to the last one that's that's what we're dealing with here.
0: Right, right. He wants <laughs> the the only thing that is stopping him uh from 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 killing them right away um on his on you know on on his way out uh is the promise of one last good Ritalin. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And, um, the, the deal that they make and, and Roland makes very, very certain that the terms are very clear and agreed upon by everyone, which is also significant, Yep. um, is he, he, it's based on, uh, the fair day riddling challenge from Roland's youth, which essentially everybody in the town would get together and, submit riddles and then they would be asked they'd stand in a queue and be asked riddles and whoever could answer the most without getting stumped would take home the
0: biggest goose basically the biggest goose in the baron you it's like a last man standing riddling contest yeah yeah
1: i r- rid- riddling as a sport isn't really something we have so it's uh it's a little ambiguous as to how it's judged i think Right, but um, but not to Roland and Roland, Roland and Blaine both understand completely clearly the rules, and uh, on a small scale like this, it's pretty easy to pick up on. Right, um, but the the goose for the quartet is being able to walk away with their lives, and the goose for Blaine is killing them all by crashing into the piers at the end of the line. Right. So, um,
0: <laughs> and he cannot. Th- that gr- just
1: seems like some th- some useful context, so we know where everybody's head is at
0: right now. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, and importantly, uh, even though there is a time limit, you know, like okay, we need we need to be done by the time we reach Topeka. Um, they cannot end. Uh, it's not fair. It's against the rules. Um, if they end with a riddle left unsolved. Right. Right. Um, Which- comes into play it it has a second here it does it hasn't come into play just yet um because blaine just does everything it answers everything nearly immediately right yeah. and will also like cite the alternate answers and uh tell where it came from which highlights some of the absurdity of what's happening here which is you are trying to stump a machine that has all you're trying to stump the internet. Is, is, yeah, is what you're, you're doing.
1: You're you're trying to riddle with Wikipedia,
0: <laughs> right?
1: Yeah, so. it's 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 totally absurd, <laughs> and um, and it, it that yeah, like Jake Jake has uh the the riddly dumb book, and the the hardest riddles are in the back, and he asks Blaine the last ten riddles, and he answers all of them, and then he asks the the riddle of Samson, um, from the Bible, which Blaine Not only answers immediately, but like, like you said, gives the whole background and context of, (laughs) and it's basically everybody has, has resigned themselves to the fact that they're just fucked.
0: Right. Uh, He gives them everything but chapter and verse. Um, Meanwhile. Okay. So Eddie in his head back on the, uh, back on the basketball courts in, 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 Brooklyn. Uh, And the nice thing that Henry has said about him, you know, they're talking about, Hey, who, who would you want to have on your side in a fight? And, and, and Henry says, Oh, I want Eddie. And everybody's saying like, Oh, are you crazy? He couldn't fight his way out of a wet paper bag. Um, and Henry's answer is, 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 is the epiphany. Um, the answer is when Eddie gets in the zone, he could talk the devil into setting himself on fire. And, this plays into something that's been around since book one and something we talked about a little bit uh, in um, book three as well. Uh, The idea that, you know, I don't shoot with my gun. I, you know, shoot with my mind. Yeah. The, the, uh, the the gunslingers encounter doesn't always, uh, it, it, their gun isn't always a gun, right? The battle isn't always a firefight.
1: Eddie references that fairly early on, which is why Roland tells everyone else to, basically leave him alone and let him do his thing.
0: Right. He knows, you know, he knows that he's, he's, he's pulled something up when I was, when I was saying that it was really hard for me not to just like quote the mon like the lesson monologue from uh, the three amigos, you know, m- <laughs> maybe you're all guapo is illiteracy. Sometimes maybe you're all guapo is a large man named. El guapo. Um, yeah. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes your gun isn't, isn't a gun. Right. And so, Eddie, he does good.
1: Yeah, the, just the the way that you've summed it up in the show notes is one of the most perfect sentences. Um, I'm I'm going to read it for everybody right now. Okay. Eddie kills Blaine with dead baby jokes.
0: <laughs> yep. Which but, is literally what happens. Yeah, it's it's it, amazing. It's, it's a it's a master stroke, you know. And yeah, uh, so 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 caveat here. Uh dead baby jokes are tasteless. There oh, is like, yeah. there, there was there was a time like in, in high school or whatever where they would get a get a laugh or shock value or whatever, but it's not something I would do. Uh it's an amazing way for Eddie to do this. He's basically just he's he's back on the streets of Brooklyn playing the dozens <laughs> with yeah. with Blaine. Uh he yeah. doesn't start with the dead baby jokes. Um he just
1: he he, he he Well he he starts by repeating Susanna's riddle about what has four wheels and flies. Right. Which pisses Blaine right the fuck off. <laughs> and and it just gets worse from there.
0: Yeah, Eddie understands if he can make Blaine angry, uh he can overheat it essentially. So it's the combination yeah. of goading him, you know again using his 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 fucking trash mouth as Richie Tozer would say. Um to to uh to 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 raise him into a fit of peak, but also telling jokes. What's our kind of riddles? Technically riddles, they have answers. They're punchlines. Yeah, slides.
1: it's a, it's a question answer, which is the structure
0: of a riddle. Right, and Blaine tries to tries to say, "Hey, that's not in the spirit of this." R- Roland says, "No, we we, we agreed. Like we, yeah, we, we we didn't we didn't talk about quality or taste or." <laughs> Any, anything like that right so eddie is forcing blaine into a completely illogical mode of thinking and he's he's trying you know he, he, he succeeds at it he gets it he complains about it at one point he says hey i need more time I'm like no like do like do you cry off are you like are <laughs> are you gonna cry uncle because like we can end this right now um and rather than surrender and admit that he is so overtaxed that he is spewing basically garbage text um he complete he starts singing in french yep he's he starts singing velcro fly in french
1: yeah which is i i don't i don't remember that detail from before but it's uh <laughs> It's brilliant.
0: Uh Well, it's so like, you know, it could have just been Velcro fly, but making it in a different language brings a little bit more surreality to it.
1: Yeah. (laughs) It's like, oh, that's totally what would happen if you just like completely managed to fuck up the Internet, like some (laughs) weird, weird collage of information that is useless and nonsensical.
0: Yeah. (laughs) So, so so He uses these jokes to kill him and blaine dies saying saying i hate you forever (laughs) you know and take takes little Blaine with him um yeah and so they're careening toward topeka but not as quickly i think they were at like 900 miles per hour or something at their peak they coasted into into topeka
1: yeah the engines shut off so so roland has everybody moved to the the back of the train and let the front of it take the impact and they're tossed around but fine
0: yeah um and so falls blaine um and so rises eddie like this is his peak i think he's always a really good character and he's always a really good viewpoint yeah but like
1: no there's there's (laughs) the 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 scene where he he finishes telling the jokes and it, it it talks about just like the 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 battle fog has descended and he just like takes out the gun and fans the hammer like Uh, directly into the (laughs) the map that had been serving as blaine's face like it's like oh shit
0: yep eddie
1: eddie is fucking legit
0: (laughs) i forgot to include the detail that he decided to finish blaine off with his guns (laughs) yeah um Ah oh, man, I just love the idea that somebody could fast talk their way into killing the internet. <laughs> um,
1: I... Have uh, Have you? I, I'm going to assume yes, but have you seen the IT crowd?
0: No. Oh, is it good?
1: It's a. It's one of my favorite comedies. Okay. Ever. And I'm fairly certain the whole thing's on Netflix, but there's uh,
0: I've seen it. Uh, I don't know if it's still on there because stuff has been leaving Netflix. But
1: yeah, but uh, it, there, there's a, a third season episode that is legitimately my my single favorite episode of any comedy television show ever. Mm. Um, but there's also uh, a whole a whole segment where the uh, the 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 two I, it techs convince their uh, effectively computer literate manager. That the internet is contained in an, in a box.
2: <laughs> okay.
1: And then she can bring that to a company-wide meeting because she doesn't have anything to show. So she'll just they, – they convince her that she's bringing the entire internet. Okay. <laughs> and then nobody else knows anything. So she tells them that sh- this box is the internet. Okay. And everybody believes her. And then I forget what happens exactly, but something happens where she falls and drops the box and it breaks everywhere and everybody panics. <laughs> um okay. it, is, it is just one of the uh the most ridiculous asinine scenes. Yeah. And, 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 and anytime there is any talk about the internet as a singular thing, that's kind of uh where my head goes
0: having worked with a lot of let's say tech company marketers <laughs> that 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 feels strangely strangely cl- close to the truth
1: god i can only imagine
0: yeah.
1: i've i've always worked more on like the the tech-minded side of things but yeah. oh my god
0: <laughs> oh those beleaguered subject matter experts <sighs> oh man so grateful to still have their lives and not be uh turned into, into toothpaste uh by the impact as susan the, says su-
1: subject matter experts
0: oh su- subject matter experts like the person who no, you, they're
1: they're they're grateful to have their lives and not be turned into toothpaste no
0: i i like, was, I, mean, it, I, I assume
1: it, that everyone is at any right, given moment right
0: i'm uh, specifically the i was concept. making
1: a very stupid joke
0: okay no i i thought that i had made a i i knew that i had made a very inelegant transition i just wanted to get us back on the rail ironically no, i enough.
1: was I was, I was, uh, I was making a very dumb, uh, very, very low, low bar humor joke.
0: Oh, that's fine. Oh, yeah, I got so, you. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I took you seriously. Next time
1: on Radio Free Midworld.
0: <laughs> um, yeah. So they get out and they climb on top of this wreck, uh, and they notice that they are on Highway 70. It's Topeka Kansas like you know it's not just a town named Topeka, this is Topeka, Kansas or yep. one of them yeah <laughs> also they hear a terrible terrible sound yeah, which yeah
1: the, uh, the the audio equivalent of the smell of rotting meat
0: yes um it is the imbi- like the very embodiment of unreality um Jake likens it to a time when he was on the subway which it doesn't make sense that a rich kid would be riding the subway um but uh hearing a busker who was playing a musical saw uh that kind of whining humming warbling kind of sound um sounds hawaiian doesn't it uh f- fun little detail on that S- susanna also remembers that guy from 20 was, years, from 20 years earlier
1: he was he was young when she saw him and old when Jake saw him right <laughs> which yeah that's fun yeah, um, um, yeah. so so Roland faints
0: <laughs> because a whole bunch of images a past that he you know thought was long buried comes rushing back to him these memories of uh, the coos of Jonas De Pape and Susan okay
1: I I have to I have to interrupt for a second here is it you, you is it canonically pronounced koos in it like is that how the the audiobooks say it because it's it's c o umlaut o s
0: uh koos or koos <laughs> yeah I, I i i say i say koos uh, because
1: I've, I've always said koos in my head but this time reading through it i was like is it koos is it Koos? is it ko koos yeah yeah frank, Fra-
0: Fra- frank muller calls 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 it co- the koos or the koos Okay, uh, something like that. I always feel weird saying "coos" because I think that's a that's yeah. a slang term for yeah, that's vagina. Not,
1: not uh, a not a super great slang term for n- a thing,
0: no. Um, but uh, it's referring to the, the the area where that woman lives, and we're going to meet her. here pretty pretty soon, uh, but yeah. uh, uh, she, she's a witch. We're yeah, you know, we'll we'll find out next episode. Yeah, um, but yes, this is a thinny, is what it is. After they rescue him from fainting. Um, And And
1: can we can we take one second to talk about how a thinny is the lamest word in this entire series for something so huge and serious and dangerous?
0: (sighs) Okay, I was about to say you're you're saying the lamest word is thinny when the series also contains Popkins. (laughs) No, no, no,
1: no, not not at all. (laughs) But for something this consequential.
0: Right. Yeah. It, it, like it, it feels. I mean, it feels of a piece with other with other kind of mid world slang.
1: It it does, but at the same time, anything ending with with y or ie ies, it
0: it it's, <laughs> it, it sounds diminutive.
1: It does, and I I know that that's like
0: I. It's a literal well, description, I know, of what but it is. I, I
1: assume I assume that what. King is kind of trying to get across is that like language isn't the same. And Uh so that association in like the high speech of Gilead wouldn't be the same.
0: Right, right. But I'm
1: reading it in fucking American English and it sounds lame (laughs) as shit.
0: It's the word that is the word that role that that King decided to uh, decided to use. Yeah,
2: Yeah,
1: it's I it, it it has bothered me since the first time I read this book and it has not (laughs) <laughs> not, uh, not ever bothered me any less
0: yeah um it doesn't bother me and that doesn't it's, mean it shouldn't bother you it's a you. small thing yeah it's,
1: it's a small like it's it's not like it obviously doesn't ruin right the experience of reading the book for me <laughs> the, uh, but the, just every time i read it every time i get to the point where he he talks about a thinny, it's like really that's that's the word you're going with
0: <laughs> okay uh that's, we're just going with the first the first thing uh, we have huh all right <laughs> yeah i'm um i i think my affection for it just comes from like it's a it's a really cool concept and i like the way that he describes it yeah yeah Um, it's
1: it's an it's a super amazing like uh just just like a one like like the way that stephen king envisions like his multiverse and the way that it interacts with itself is like it's awesome. It's super, super cool. And describing Thinies as uh, sores on the on the face of reality, or it's yeah, like everything about them is great, and I love it, and is super cool and impressive and kind of terrifying, except for the name. Yeah, uh, yeah, so, yeah. and that's. I don't have a whole lot to. <laughs> I don't have like a thing with that, but it,
0: it's, you know, it has better SEO optimization than uh, than the mist does. <laughs> which I mean, which is which is what this what this is. That's what the the mist was in the short story. That's why we covered that book, right? Um, right. Or that short story or novella or whatever you want to call it. Uh, you know, when we say it soars on the skin of reality, it isn't you know just a, a an ouchy place. Um, it is literally the place where because the tower is bending different levels of different levels of the tower are rubbing against each other. And the fabric of reality gets indistinct in certain places.
1: And, and that, that applies to all realities. Yes. It's, it's not just that there's like, Oh, the place where, where two dimensions or two planes or two worlds meet is, uh, like the, the boundary is weak there. Like that's kind of a fairly common fantasy trope. Mm -hmm. Um, the idea here is that it's it it, it is uh, a weakening that is consistent throughout all possible realities, right? Uh, as a result of a weakening of the tower, um, which is super cool. Once you kind of buy into just the magnitude of <laughs> what they're dealing with,
0: yeah. The ta- the tower encompasses size, yeah um and so like it isn't just a thin spot um it manifests as kind of this greenish shimmering silvery fog that creates this sound you know that 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 has this you know the the, the very sound of unreality uh, attendant to it um but things can move through it you know in the mist um creatures came out this otherworldly mist came out of that of, of you know of that, of that thin spot um and and here Uh, our Katat has actually gone through it. Roland and Eddie and Susanna and Oi and Jake have gone through uh, on Blaine. um, Instead of going to the Topeka in Midworld, they've gone into the Topeka in a version of of our world specifically. A version of our world where in 1986, uh, the entire, most of the population of the United States was wiped out by a super flu, Named Captain Trips. And that's why nobody is here. And that's why everything is graffitied and marked up with pray for us. So, yeah, this isn't the world of the stand because it doesn't take place in either 1980 or 1990. Uh, but it's really similar.
1: The way that they reveal where they are is really kind of spooky too, because, (laughs) um... They they find a newspaper machine of all things, and um, they 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 take the paper out and They're they're reading this headline and the the front page story about Captain Trips or uh, Tube Neck, which I forgot that it's also called Tube Neck. Yep, which sounds like something Brayton would make up.
0: <laughs> oh man, yeah, that guy's got a big a bad case of Tube Neck, doesn't he? Right. <laughs> yeah it does
1: like i i feel like tube neck is something that the pitch would uh market a cure for
0: <laughs> yep or would market as uh as an alternative to like a like those airplane travel pillows that go around your neck Yeah, or yeah it might just be something they market
1: uh as as a product
0: yeah uh, um we're doing yeah. fan fiction of the pitch now <laughs>
1: read read the stand pretty recently Uh totally forgot that captain trips was also called tube neck
0: yeah that's one of my favorite Um, details is that there are regional differences we call it captain trips
1: yeah no i remember that i just always forget that tube neck is one of them because uh that's ridiculous (laughs) yep um but yeah and they he gets to the last page and drops the newspaper and Susanna kind of grabs it and it's it's just this obituary with countless names in tiny tiny print yeah and
0: uh and she you know so so jake is shocked by the enormity of it just oh all of america probably all the world is dead um and this could have happened not in eddie's world because he was taken after 1987 but like this could be the future for jake or for susanna
1: yeah and so in order to to kind of try and like reconcile that, I guess, um, Jake starts checking out the cars yes. to, to see if there are any, uh, any cars that he doesn't recognize, but he realizes pretty quickly that because it's 1986, not 1977, he doesn't recognize any of the cars anyway.
0: Right. So he starts looking at the badges and stuff like that.
1: Yeah. And, um, he, when, and he asks Eddie too. Right. Yeah. Um, and so, and so they, they find a, a Takuro spirit, Which is uh, a a car that comes up a few times.
0: Yes. Yeah. Um, Um, It it becomes kind of the mascot. It becomes a way to show this is an alternate reality or this is not Keystone Earth. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, They see a sign for the Kansas City Monarchs, which was actually a team. Like, this comes up later. King thought he was just being clever. Um I <laughs> forget but, about that, yeah. Yeah, the but the but the monarchs were a uh were a Negro league team. Um so that this could have this this would have been an, an alternate city, an alternate reality where the you know the, the the major league team ended up taking that name,
1: right? Yeah but it, but or, it's meant to be just or like Or an you know, alternate, much more racist reality.
0: <laughs> True. That things don't always get better. Um also uh people drink nausea. Which is another dumb name for a thing that I really enjoy. I'm positive yeah. I could go on like Redbubble or something like that and get a get a T-shirt for Nozola.
1: <laughs> I um, I've always and this is this is dumb and irrational, and I have no idea if like how the legality of it would work out. I've always been kind of bummed out that the Fallout series uses Nuka Cola instead of Nazola, Oh yeah, because that would just be like. The coolest crossover to like <laughs> never comment on, never reference, never acknowledge. Just
0: <laughs> Yep. That, that that would be pretty good, but I think the timing doesn't work out. This book and Fallout came out in the same year.
1: Yeah. Well, yeah. what are you gonna do?
0: Yeah. Oh my gosh, so many of these designs are terrible. For these nozzle shirts. Wow. <laughs> Sorry, I could <laughs> I, I'm I'm a very bad graphic designer and I could do better than this. Um, yeah. Oh, well, <laughs> but there are a couple things like there's a, a fast food chain called the, Bo- the Boim Boim burgers, um, <laughs> uh, which has nothing to do with the website. But, uh, yeah, I don't just like, I, again, these, these little details, but most of these will come up again later on in the series and in the extended, uh, you know, the extended King of verse to again, be the shorthand to say that we are off true. Um, in eleven twenty two sixty three, like mild spoiler, but it's a you know it's a story about time travel. Uh, in one instance when things go very wrong, uh, the main character ends up seeing Takuro spirits. Yeah, out on the streets and stuff like that. So yeah, um, pretty cool. Also, pretty cool is that Charlie the Choo Choo is real, baby. Oh yeah. <laughs>
1: uh i would i would just like to uh to, to to remind you once again of the uh the children's book that my son adores oh no very <laughs> definitely features charlie the choo-choo
0: <laughs> he, is he scared of uh, charlie
1: i mean it's not literally it's called circus train oh and so shit he, uh, okay
0: sorry i forgot about that i thought you're were...
1: no it's it is not the charlie the choo-choo book i am not a sadist who hates <laughs> my son
0: okay i like it I don't think it would necessarily be bad. Like the only thing that's creepy about it is the face of Charlie,
1: right? Which is the fuel of infinite nightmares.
0: Okay, okay, all right. I'll uh, see. This is this is why it's good that I don't have kids. <laughs> but that but that's right. You have, you have a book that has a similar nightmare person train.
1: It's yeah. It's a, a book called Circus Train, and <laughs> Oliver loves it and wants to read it all the time, and it genuinely fucking unsettles me every single time
0: yeah <laughs> but they they pass through a little kids amusement park by a zoo that is full of reeking dead animals um i guess the the animals are a little bit fresher than the people maybe i don't know um and they they see the you know the the, the children's train uh and jake is really uh scared by it again there's this resonance there's this echo you know, barrel Evans is, is, is Quartet. It's funny since we mentioned curve Vonnegut earlier. I, you know, I, I knew this was a comparison, but like the notion of content is very similar to, um, in from uh cat's cradle, the, the carross, right? Yeah. Yeah. Same idea. If, uh, also a very good book that talks about a, f- a few of the themes. It, it is also an apocalyptic book in a very cool way. Um, yeah, but they get on the turnpike, and they continue southeast. Um, 70 doesn't go southeast. It goes Shh. east to west, guys. Sorry, King. I it's Ka. Don't know, worry about it. Cap. I I know where 70 is. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and Eddie describes turnpiking when they would have a one sober person drive them around on the turnpike, uh, while all of them were uh, high on heroin. Yeah. Um, notable graffiti again. Bango Skank doesn't show up uh, just yet. That 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 comes later. But uh, we have more things being tied in. We have one that says "Watch out for the walking dude," or sorry, "Watch for the walking dude." Not "Watch out." Sorry, I didn't mean to brand that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> walking dude being one of the names for uh, our good friend Randall Flag. And also, we have the first appearance of something that is going to be really, really important. Somebody writing, all hail the Crimson King, or somebody has written, all hail the Crimson King, along with the image of the red eye um, on another sign. Roland doesn't know what this means, has no idea who the Crimson King is. Stephen King readers who have been um, paying attention will recognize the Crimson King from Insomnia. Uh, And also from the end of Insomnia. Uh, the connection that that has to the tower or the last half of insomnia rather than it has uh, the connection it has to the tower. Uh, but this uh, put a pin in this because it's going to be really important. You ever read insomnia, Evan?
1: Uh, no, that's, that is one that I have not read yet.
0: It's um, we're going to have to cover it for the show. I don't know that I'm crazy about it.
1: I, I know that that was, um, I, when we, when we did the Rose matter episode, I, I thought that I had read Insomnia and I don't know what I was thinking of because that is one that I have not read yet, but Dream I know Catcher? that he, uh, I might've been thinking of Dreamcatcher. I'm not I, sure. I mean, it
0: also takes place in Derry. So
1: yeah, that might be what I'm thinking of. Cause I have read Dreamcatcher.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, but, uh, I, I know that he regards it in the, in the same kind of like stiff manner that he, he talks about Rose matter.
0: Yeah. He mentioned that in on writing but it's good that the Crimson King gets out of that book.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's that literally just that's all that I know about it is that he he does not particularly care for how insomnia or uh, Matter turned out because they both feel stiff.
0: Right, right. Um, that's not my problem with it, but we'll talk about that in two years when we get to it. Cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so they're headed down this turnpike. They're on the highway and on either side uh, is this flood of thinny, you know, stretches out and looks like flat marshland. Um, they, you know, gives off that liquidy humming sound like a stench is what they say. And Roland, he knows, but he doesn't know how he knows that an object from his world will block out the sound. So he gives all of them these bullets, um, from, you know, that he has been carrying this whole time. Like Eddie calls him out for being sentimental because these are the wets. These are the ones that got soaked on the, uh, that got soaked on the, uh, the, the great Western sea. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, Roland's a little bit embarrassed that he was so sentimental as to hold on to his, his original reloads.
1: <laughs> yeah. Which, uh, that, that, that's one of those, uh, those weird details about Roland. That's, uh, just, just for lack of a better term, charming.
0: Yeah. I mean, it, it turns around and says, So (laughs) what he decides not to say about himself or what he is reluctant to admit says a lot about him, too. Uh, And that is a lot of the information that he gives us is omission or somebody calling him out and him not responding. (laughs) Yeah. Traveling by this thinny and still hearing the faint echo of it um, through the bullets in their ears uh, exhausts them mentally. Like it is Lovecraftian in in the way that being near it or being uh, being exposed to it uh, drains them. So yeah, imagine trying to sleep when you know next to something that is wailing at you that nothing is real. <laughs> um. So they make camp, uh, and in the distance they see this massive building, but only an outline. Uh, what do you think of Eddie's dream, where the uh, where the rose is in danger?
1: I every every time I read this book and I I, I read that dream sequence I I just kind of mentally gloss over it and I don't know why like I I I understand what it's doing and I understand that the the foreshadowing is is very present there and I I I get that it's uh it's it's a very reasonable dream sequence given the events of uh (laughs) This book in the last one right um but it it, it it just never has really made an impression with me
0: yeah so so my problem with it is it's not really composed like a dream it's composed like a like a scene from a horror movie from the 80s
1: a little bit maybe that's what it is yeah it, it,
0: it, feel, it feels like a scene from an American elm street movie yeah you know, because they're back yeah it does <laughs> They're they're back in the abandoned lot, and there's a bulldozer that breaks through the wall. Uh, initially, it's being driven by Gasher, and then it's being driven by uh, the engineer for for Charlie the Choo Choo, um, and then finally it's being driven by Roland himself. It's headed for the rose, you know, again the rose that represents the tower. Um, and uh, on the blade of the uh, bulldozer is written "All hail the Crimson King." Um, it's little on the nose. I mean, <laughs> a little bit, yeah. But like you know Eddie Eddie goes to jump on the rose to save it from the from the, from the bulldozer and, and ends up waking up. But yeah it's it's that sequence is composed as though he was writing it for a script for film as opposed to actually like having it be dreamlike and that sucks because they've been pretty good at the dream he's been pretty good at writing the dream so far. I know, it's a minor nit in the in the overall thing, but what is communicating is that yes, the you know the the threat is moving in closer to the you know, to the rows. We can't be complacent. They are you know traveling in this other world, but they are going along the path of where where they assume the beam would be in order to hopefully get out back through it. Um, unfortunately, what they find out is that there's a large glass building in their way that has been looming over them for days and days, and they're just now finally seeing it through the fog. And Roland, you know, after alluding to this and talking more about his, about his old traveling companions than he has in a while, finally gets up the nerve to tell his story, um, knowing that it has to be done all in one go, and he has to do it when he says he's going to do it because otherwise he's going to put it off forever.
1: Which is, um, I've always felt like that's a pretty relatable sort of, sort of, um, concern, I guess.
0: Yep. Rip off the bandaid quick and do it all in one go.
1: Yeah. Well, there's that. And then there's also just like, if I don't do it, I'm not going to do it at all.
0: (laughs) Well, I guess the bandaid thing doesn't hold up because eventually the bandaid, the bandaid will fall off. Yeah, it's yeah yeah I have to find a better I have to find a better metaphor for that. <laughs> so this begins the flashback. We're not entirely in it uh, because it's kind of half in half out. He goes he gives us a little bit of a recap of you know the flashbacks in the gunslinger talks about um seeing his mom with Martin, his dad's you know kind of sorcerer, you know the Merlin to uh, Stephen Dehane's Arthur. Um, that gets confusing because there was a Merlin and Arthur in this world. Forget that. Um, (laughs) and deciding to go through his gunslinger test, um, far too early in order to get his guns and, you know, get revenge, right. To kill Martin. Yeah. Right. Um, and he succeeds, but that wasn't, that wasn't the plan, um, (laughs) which we're going to find out. Uh, and the story continues. And this is something we didn't get in book one, but would have been really more and more. <laughs> the The notion of sex work, would, would have been more at home in book one a little bit because after his victory, he decides, well, if I'm going to be a man. I'm going to be a man. So he goes and loses his virginity to a prostitute. As, as we all do, as one does. <laughs> <laughs> um, and in the afterglow of his act, um, Roland's dad bursts through the door, picks him up and strangles him, and Roland grabs the gun. And Stephen says, shoot me if you will. Why not make this abortion complete? Ah, gods, I'd welcome it. Something terrible has happened. Stephen is very upset that his son has followed in his footsteps and also become the youngest person to become a gunslinger. <laughs> so imagine the shock, uh, you know, of being picked up bodily by your dad while naked. <laughs>
1: Yeah, that'd be, um, I mean, not my first choice.
0: No, (laughs) if I was, if I was picking from a book, like I was getting a haircut, (laughs) give, give me the dad picking me up while naked. Um, no. Uh, so the reason this is happening, uh, is because, uh, you know, Stephen calls Roland a fool, you know, Roland tells him like, Hey, you know, here's, here's what I saw you've you've been you've been made a cuckold not in the alt-right sense but in the you know the actual sense
1: the the actual real sense
0: right right i just don't want people to think i'm making a cuck joke or whatever no Um, not
1: not like the the shitty awful contemporary
0: yeah the weird like bullshit sense the the racist version of it yeah
1: no like the 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 dictionary literal sense. the
0: shakespearean sense yeah um and Stephen says the you know the, the the six words I have known for two years like this is eating away at him you know when Martin and Gabrielle DeShane were dancing he knew that like he (laughs) Stephen has been in this situation where he's had to kind of keep keep up the facade you know knowing that Martin was a snake who was right right there near all of them um who was ready to end everything uh and Stephen has kind of been waiting for Waiting for his time and his hand is pretty much forced because, you know, Martin, if you remember, was kind of rubbing Roland's face in it, hoping that Roland would go and take the test and fail it and be sent west, you know, to be sent along the road toward John Farson because Roland as the son of the Din is a massive threat to Martin's kind of sway over the kingdom. am i characterizing that right oh yeah
1: i i didn't i, I thought you characterized <laughs> it very well and didn't have anything to add
0: okay no no that's fine i just wanted to make wanted to make sure because it gets a little gets a little fuzzy here steven's characterization is always a little bit weird like i kind of want yeah I, I want his like his flashback like if king has another one of these books left in him i want to hear the adventures of Stephen a little bit oh yeah that'd be great yeah see so see a little bit more of gilead in the uh in, the, in, in its prime, or at I'm, least...
1: I'm almost surprised that that hasn't been um, a graphic novel yet.
0: Yeah. It'd be a good uh, couple-episode or couple-issue arc, at the very least. So, the setup for this flashback and the setup for kind of the rest of the middle portion of this book um, is that Roland cannot go back to the palace. If he goes there, if he spends even one night there, he's dead. You know, because uh Martin will not be very pleased that his plan has failed. And so uh he's going to have to be sent east along to a onto the barony of Mejis or Megis, uh depending on how you want to pronounce that. Um yeah. to a I've, small I always
1: uh in my head said Megis and I don't know why.
0: Yeah. Megis Magis. I, f- I forget how uh how Frank Muller says it, uh which is my canonical version of these. <laughs> um I need to go and listen to that part. Again, I say Mehis because you know Mexico kind of thing
2: um
0: but he has to go there on this make work quest to get as far not as far away from gilead as possible but you know to go to a backwater where either martin or john farson's forces are not going to be which summons the gods of irony (laughs) because um oh boy are they headed into the very nest itself and that's Pretty the lunch. end. This sets yeah. up the story that lasts all night. This unnaturally Which, long night.
1: It, it, yeah, if if we didn't already know that uh, nights when people are telling stories are uh, un, unnaturally long, uh, that would seem like a very conservative estimate. But <laughs> we, we, we kind of know what's up at this point.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> Barton told a story so long that he turned into a skeleton and Roland's hair turned white like it's it's there, <laughs> so not white. He got gray in his hair. I want people to have the right picture of him. He aged into his 40s from his thirties. but time is time is weird because he'd been going for thousands of years at that point. anyway. um so <laughs> that is the end of this first chapter, the end of riddles. We're gonna be back um, next time with uh, uh the beginning of the chapter called Susan breaking that one into uh into twos. Um we're gonna end uh I believe right at or right before um the kind of sub chapter or subheading called uh Shimmy. Yeah. Gonna, you're gonna see that. Uh after because that's kind of a climax for that. Um Evan. Yes. Any final thoughts about the <laughs> about this uh, about this particular portion of the book?
1: The books always kind of run together for me. And uh the, the first part of this book has always felt like part of the wasteland, and the first part of the wastelands has always felt like part of drawing of the three. Um and I, I guess that doesn't totally matter if you're reading it now and you're not waiting seven years between books.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um but I, I like I like this part because I, I feel like it gives some a couple of really interesting story beats and you get a lot of really, really good, uh, character development, especially with, with Eddie. Yeah. Um, and we get more blame, which is fun.
0: <laughs> we get more blame and we get to see his, uh, his, his uh, ignoble end.
1: Yeah. yeah. And, um, yeah, it, th- this part is, it's good. It's, uh, it's, it's largely, just kind of uh, picking up from the end of the last one and setting up the rest of this book, which is also really interesting.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, I, I don't really have too much more to say about it than that.
0: Yeah, um, I I love this. I think it's I think it is quite uh, you know quite good, quite momentous. The encounter with Blaine, you know, who knows if that would have if that would have fit at the end of the Wasteland? Like only Stephen King knows why he decided to break it when he did um i'm happy that we got it and if it took him that long to figure out how to bring eddies kind of latent uh bullshit talent uh to the fore then i think it was worth it because this lasts forever as opposed to you know the delay which lasted 7 years right. um it can't be I, I i always get this wrong it can't be overstated how important it is that they wander into uh you know a version of the world where the stand has happened or something approaching that right because people who are reading this and know about the series now know that it kind of is this omnibus conglomeration of all of Stephen King's work this is the biggest time where that has happened where it isn't just a couple of easter eggs you know like characters from uh oh my gosh from <laughs> from the eyes of the dragon being mentioned by name, you know, like this is this is pretty important. You know, we're we're setting up the antagonist of another book, you know, two antagonists of the other books to be really big figures in 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 this one. This is a a, a real turning point for the series where it becomes meta textual like that. You know, the yeah. la- the later books in the series get. you know get a lot of shit you know it's up to you whether or not that shit is deserved or not um for going too far in that direction but this is where that starts and so you know i think that this is momentous i think that this is a good treatment of that um and you know i people who listen to those episodes know that i have Uh, a great deal of of affection for The Stand as well, so it's cool to go back to that world, no matter how awful it is.
1: Oh, totally, yeah.
0: yeah, Awesome. Well, we'll be back in two weeks, like I said, with the first part of uh, the chapter called Susan. Evan, where can people find you on the internet?
1: Uh, I am at Mr. underscore Harder, all spelled out on Twitter, and uh, I am at uh, very good serial reviews on instagram which is uh making a comeback nice um and if you're in the chicagoland area is is this is coming out you said next week uh
0: this is coming out on early release on october the 24th and ooh, on halloween happy halloween everybody uh for uh for everybody else oh
1: well, if you're if you're cool enough to be a Patreon backer and get the early release feed, and you also live in the Chicagoland area, uh you can come see Sad Paul Stanley as Black Sabbath at Beat Kitchen on Saturday, October twenty-eighth.
0: Are you gonna be in full makeup?
1: Oh, you have no idea.
0: <laughs> I don't. That's why I asked.
1: Yeah, no, I I can't I cannot answer that question contractually. <laughs> okay. And by that I mean I'm I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna give it away.
0: Okay, I there's understand.
1: no actual contract.
0: <laughs> awesome. Can, can you give the, uh, the, the the details on that one more time?
1: Uh, yeah, it's uh, Saturday, October twenty eighth, twenty seventeen, at Beat Kitchen. Um, the show starts at I believe eight p.m. and Sad Paul Stanley as Black Sabbath is opening the proceedings. Cool. It's gonna be uh, real dumb. <laughs>
0: Uh that is a good pitch. Yeah. Uh, cool. Well, I need to go and go to bed because I have a flight early in the morning. If you want to find me on the internet, you can uh go to at Cole Ross. Um I have we we have other shows on duckfeed.tv. It's a whole network. Um yeah. if you... good, good shows even. <laughs> Some of them, yeah. Uh <laughs> <laughs> they're 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 okay. Um no, and uh if you want to watch me stream video games, uh it is twitch.tv slash duckfeed TV. Um yeah and
1: definitely definitely uh tune in for for Cole's horror live streams they're it, it's 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 like YouTube but for grown ups
0: <laughs> oh you make me sound so lame
1: uh, I, like, you you don't spend the whole time just screaming and you actually give uh, thoughtful analysis of what's going on in the game oh Thank so you. it's you know uh, enjoyable if you're an adult <laughs> with adult type sensibilities yeah if that a... doesn't enjoy incessant screaming
0: <laughs> if that sounds like a thing that would be for you if you like watching other people play games that, that usually happens on uh weekend nights yeah so um uh, until next time long days and pleasant nights
1: thank you say si.